1: used to be a nun, huh? Yeah, I was. Golly, I've always wanted to meet a nun. I bet you got all kinds of stuff just stirring up inside you. I haven't met all of you, but there is one among you.
0: One who has endured a true test of faith. Two weeks ago, there was an incident with one of the sisters at Santa Teresa. It's been quite a stressful time. Are you too close?
1: I don't think either of us ever belonged there. What happened was traumatizing, to say the least. As we want you to know, we have your best interests at Dear heart. sweet mm-hmm. sister. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are there, my woman, and was just the time Jesus, Jesus, Holy Mary, pray for us become afraid you can't let it show you have to be strong and if you see anything strange stick to the script lord have mercy lord have mercy christ have mercy christ, christ have, have mercy. mercy you're frightened you don't have the luxury to be frightened Hello there agnes sister agnes can you hear me? Holy Mary, Mother of God! Please listen, Please
0: listen. Ow! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Pekovich, and this is episode number 393. Releasing December 10 in the US in theaters and on demand is Agnes. A character-driven horror feature that stars Molly C. Quinn as a nun who, after witnessing an exorcism in her convent, undergoes a crisis of faith. A unique and engrossing entry into the ever-growing possession horror movie subgenre, Agnes is the latest film from indie auteur Mickey Reese, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast. Mickey, I thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thanks, Thanks for having me. So, you know, let's start with the obvious question, what inspired you to make not only a possession movie, but one with a non-sploitation angle? Because from what I read, it seems to have come from two different kind of like mindsets. Your, uh, your screenwriter, John, he was coming from it from more of a Catholic kind of background, where you yourself were like looking more into kind of like the imagery of the stuff, mostly kind of like Catholic imagery, Renaissance uh, blocking, et cetera. Is that kind of like how it all kind of came together?
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and actually, um, you know, the exorcism aspect of it was uh, we had actually talked about making a Father Black movie, like about a, um, a television uh, exorcist. Um, we had kind of that idea for, uh, a long time before this, uh, before this nun or exorcism movie ever came into play, it was a movie about the father black character. And so, uh, once we, um, decided on the nuns and getting into the exorcism part of it, the, uh, father black character was like kind of recycled from that movie that we never made or never even wrote. Um, so yeah, but I mean, honestly, yeah, I would say it all really of all the ideas it really came from, uh, the father black character.
0: It's interesting that you talked about that character in particular. So, you know, I don't know what type of interpretations you had in a film from like a Catholic perspective. So I'm a I'm a practicing Catholic myself as as well as being a film critic. So whenever I get films like this on my radar, I watch it with a different kind of angle, as, as you can imagine. So and I know that you are very much open to interpretations for your movies, right? I mean you encourage it in fact for people to like you know have their own interpretations for their films. You don't want to lay out kind of like a track work of where it should go. You want them to make their own perspectives. So as I'm watching the film, I'm thinking to myself, a lot of these characters kind of present different facets that's going on not only in the church, but also kind of like in Christianity in in general. So you were talking about, um, so we're talking about, say, Ben Hall's character uh, of the priest. He kind of, to me, he kind of represents kind of like the scandal in the church, if you know what I mean, kind of like um, what's happening there. Um, Mary, the character played by Molly C. Queen, she kind of represents kind of like the crisis of faith, if you will. The father black character kind of represents to me the charlatan aspect of it. And Agnes kind of represents the evil that's kind of crept into the church as well. What do you think of that interpretation? Is there any type of validity in that whatsoever?
1: Well, uh, it's, you know, when John and I are uh, writing, we kind of like, you go through every variable of uh, every situation, every character, even, even lines, you know what I mean? Uh, Of what, what they mean or what they could mean or how they could be interpreted. Um, we, we kind of go through all of that and then, you know, make a conscious decision to kind of make it still, uh, to a degree, like open-ended where, um, it, it gets, it get in the story. It gets us the, the logic of the movie. It, 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 it gets us from point A to point B, but without actually having to, uh, nail something down to where that this means this, and there's, this is only one way that this, this, that this could make sense. Um, so, I mean, really not going through with an agenda, it was more of like, um, you know, we of course kind of created this like cynical view of religion, but then we also, you know, create a very uh, a positive like enlightening uh, form of uh, uh, or a view of religion in the sandwich scene at the end. Um, so it, you know, it we don't really <laughs> say one way or, or the other on how we feel about religion because there really is no. Uh, passion behind uh how how we feel about religion it, w- it was just kind of like let's let's explore both sides so i mean it's all it, and that's that's all any movie is you know what i mean it's just a just expression and exploration
0: of yourself the sandwich scene you just mentioned there that to me it's surprisingly poignant to me in regards because it, it's very much a the monologue that jake herr Her- Her- which his character has the character of Benjamin. It's kind of like when we first introduced to him, he's like this novice priest in the movie, and at the end, I think I believe he's fully ordained. He seems to have the collar on it and everything else like that. Um, you know, the whole point of the monologue is like it's about faith and, and the struggle to find find God. You know, he's eating this sandwich. You got to go through the bread. You got to go through everything to get to that piece of meat in in, in the in the middle of it. Um, it's really interesting because it's like a it's kind of like a rich history in movies, kind of like of food and theology i don't know if you ever seen angel heart um there's a famous scene in that movie robert de niro when he's eating the egg and it kind of like represents the soul um it's kind of like similar to that was that scene in angel heart kind of like uh in, in inspiration what's in how you want to approach the monologue in your movie you now having like this this piece of food to kind of like play a part uh as as a as a monologue for uh theology in your, in your film well
1: um you know i have seen angel heart that's the the Mickey Work movie with the uh, De Niro plays uh, Lou Cipher, right? Very, and then, yes. Uh, it's like like a, uh, um, and like Lisa Bonet. Yes. Yeah, um, but I don't remember it because it was a long time ago when I saw it. So if I if I got anything from that, it was uh it was just you know kind of buried in my subconscious.
0: When it comes to location in your movies, you know location often used to dictate how you kind of like present your stories. You were in your filmmaker. So you find your location, you kind of build your story around that. Agnes is the other way around Um, the convent in a movie. It's well, from what I've read. It's like, you found kind of like this three story kind of Victorian style house. What was the process like in finding that location? Did you try to find like actual convents themselves to to film? Well, we went to
1: a convent. We went to, we found a convent. We went and there were these convents that, you know, from the outside, they looked amazing um the inside uh they were just so boring just like it was just like there's nothing we can do with these and and also very you know small and um i don't know i just i i i wanted the nuns to be classier than that you know i wanted that whole uh situation this kind of uh classical and you're right yeah totally like kind of a victorian setting I like can i i didn't care if it didn't work with the logic of uh an actual convent because we're not trying to create realism here. We're um, you know, we're creating our own world and our own logic within the movie. And uh, so then finding this, um, this giant, like, you know, mansion that we, we were shot it in. I was like, this is, this is perfect. This is how it has to be, even though everyone was like that, but this is what we're not where that's, this is not where nuns would be. And I was like, I don't care about that. These are, these are where these nuns are. This is where these nuns live.
0: The Matts Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Eighties Tees. Eighties Tees is an online retailer of licensed T-shirts and pop culture gear from your favourite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner '80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro T-shirts delivered to your door. The Matts Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra-high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well to rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us. Be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. When it comes to casting in your film, how did Molly Queen become the Mary in your movie? Have what did you have you known of her before? Um did you have to audition people for that role? How did she become about to, to be the lead in your movie?
1: Well, with Molly, Molly, um, and, uh, I mean, this movie wouldn't happen if it weren't for Molly, you know, Molly and, uh, Elon and Matthew, they're uh, quagmire their the production team's called quagmire. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they took the whole movie, um, under their reins, you know, uh, I, we had the script done. John and I wrote the script. We sent it to, uh, divide and conquer, uh, who worked with us on climate of the hunter and then, uh, divide and conquer, uh, sent it to, uh, to Quagmire because they were interested in uh, you know, you know, something like this, like a like a horror movie in in their in uh, this specific budget range. And uh they really liked the script and you know thought it was uh you know very unique. And so they uh, uh approached us about it. And then I met with Molly. And honestly, you know, casting someone like Molly, like for this movie, you know, knowing the history of movies I've done before where it's just you know, literally like uh casting you know from my local pool of actors i didn't know who it was going to be you know i was going to figure it out then but when molly wanted to do it it was almost like oh my god you just you, this 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 that right there made the movie you know what i mean just um uh having her and uh, and it was so it was very easy to imagine her in the character uh whenever we met because uh you know she's got uh, that very uh uh angelic uh quality to her face and uh just this kind of like uh calming presence that um you know really it it really it kind of makes you like when you're watching uh the beginning of the movie like there's there she has a presence there where you you know that this character is important somehow you just don't know how how it's going to play out or how important she's going to be and then the second half of the movie where it's all her movie you know what i mean it's like it's very rewarding so it was uh you know so she was she was great it was um uh, it was a no-brainer on casting molly
0: Another person in the film is Ben Hoare and you've worked with him before. He's kind of like a legend, isn't he Like, kind of Like in the Oklahoma, kind of like a scene where, where you're based in. He plays the role of Father Donahue. Um, is it a given that often when you put together a Mickey Reese film that there's going to be a role for Ben? Because he's just so great in motion stuff and just so many different um, t- so many different characters and brings so much different elements to his films, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, with the past three movies, it has definitely been a given that, like, all right, where are we gonna throw Ben here? Where, where are gonna where are we gonna get put Ben in here? Ben's got a carry some part of it because uh yeah he's just so amazing um and yeah father i would say the only role that ended up being cast was like that was specifically written for them was um ben hall as father donahue because going through the movie uh writing the movie before we had um uh, we had wrote in some uh, specific actors Uh, or some some specific characters for that. I mean, we knew who was going to play them, but um, then like whenever Quagmire signed up, they like had a whole, uh, you know, different idea for casting and create, presented all these different options. And it was like, okay, well, we're going to have to reimagine this a little bit, but Mm. you know, the movie's better for it. And, uh, but yeah, Ben Hall was the only one that actually ended up being like the role that was specifically designed for him.
0: Kind of like in your previous film, Climate of the Hunter, you take on kind of like these horror genres where you make them your own. Um, I'm curious when it t- when you take on a film like the possession film, I mean, they there's been so many of them. There's already kind of tropes established, kind of, you know, in that whole kind of genre. When you are writing the film with John, do you have a list of things that you don't want to approach when making this film? There's things you don't want to touch, you don't want to do, be the guy with you know, the possessed crawling on the walls or, you know, head spinning backwards or pea soup and stuff like that. Is there things you don't want to touch um, when it comes to that kind of a genre of filmmaking?
1: No, we don't really, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like once we have like uh, the idea of the movie and uh, kind of an outline that we've uh, agreed upon and then the movie just kind of writes itself. And if the movie doesn't write itself, then, you know, something's wrong. Like something something's wrong if you have to think about it too much. And so um, – you know, they very well could have ended up being, uh, you know, someone crawling on the wall or something like, because it was just once we figured out the characters, it's really the most important thing is to the characters. And so once the characters were figured out, the movie just kind of like goes by it, you know, writes itself.
0: You know, you are incredibly prolific as a, as a filmmaker. From my account, Agnes, I, I think is the 29th film in the last 12 years for yourself. At one point you were doing like three films a year. Um, I read that for yourself, you you once said that filmmaking is kind of like a necessity. It's something you need to get out of your system, these stories that you have. Um, You know, as your name as a filmmaker gets bigger and bigger and so do your budgets and your time on set, um, not to mention, you know, what you're doing now, the promotions of these films as well. Do you feel you were able to make films at the click that you were happy with? I mean, can Mickey Reese, say, can make one film a year and still be satisfied? Can you still get that kind of like that release that you need as compared to previous um, earlier in your year when you're doing like three films a year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if it ever got to the point of doing, you know, one every couple of years, one every three years or something, then, yeah, that would... That would be very heartbreaking, um, but I think uh, I'm satisfied with one a year because there's so much more involved in them now. You know what I mean? So it's it's more about just keeping myself busy.
0: Well, I've got to say, Mickey, that Agnes was a delight to watch. I wasn't sure what, to, what I was going to watch when, when it came my way, but you know, I really appreciate the film that you had here. What you and John did with the material, and um, for everyone out there listening, December 10 in the US and theaters and on demand, please check out Agnes. To, it's a surprising film in regards to the way you approach the subject matters in the movie and um, the way where the characters go. And I think it's uh, so much more rewarding because of that. And, and Mickey Reese, I thank you for your time today and uh, congratulations for the film.
1: Thank you so much.